It's my deepest wish that photography, instead of falling within the domain of industry, of commerce, will be included among the arts. That's its sole true place, and it's in that direction that I shall always endeavor to guide it. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio, and this is episode 129 for, let's see, the end of December and the end of 2020. And let me not get into anything about 2020, because we all know what's gone on. And so I'll just skip that. Uh, just get into get into what I'm going to talk about. Well, this is, uh, yeah, you'll notice this is not, this will not be a dispatch from Greenwood. <laughs> finally about time. Um, I was able to, well, let's, let me get, okay, well, I'll just jump to this. Uh, the bulk of the, uh, bulk of the show is me talking with, uh, my buddy, Brian Manier and, um, something had popped up on, uh, let's see, uh, popped up on, uh, I think it was Twitter. It was a, it was a photograph of his, the question that sort of popped in my head while I was thinking about this, uh, um, talking to Brian was has processing, given us a solution for a problem that wasn't there. And uh, I talk about this in, I won't, the little preview is, is, uh, you know, because I came from the world of film and also because of my previous, uh, it was a few episodes ago when I talked to uh, Dan Bailey, who both of us sort of grew up uh, in photography and in film. Like when, of course, when we're shooting film, film is the final generally, you know, I'm not talking about darkroom stuff, but let's talk about like slides and transparencies that that was, that's generally the final um, product of, of your photography. You know, you, you don't uh, take you didn't take color slides and process them further in the darkroom. Pretty much the color slides were were done. But anyway, and so I you know I grew up in that world. And when Brian's picture popped up, because he he sculpts his pictures either in uh, Photoshop, more likely lately Capture One. And his look is very distinctive, and um, it it just popped in my mind that that he would be the perfect person to talk to about processing, just the 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 act of processing, and what does it mean, and what do these new uh, artificial intelligence processing programs mean um, in the overall scheme of things? And we we don't cover everything, and in fact, left the conversation open to talk to him more about this because this is an ongoing thing, and. Uh, you know, we're just seeing the, well, we're not really just seeing the beginning of this, but, you know, with computational photography, like in the iPhones, uh, and this artificial intelligence stuff that's now popping up in Photoshop and in, and the Luminar software, what does this mean? Right. And so this is the beginning of this conversation. What are, what does this mean for our photography? What does this mean for photography in general? Um, the production of pictures, I guess all the questions that sort of pop up the truth in photography. Is there a truth in photography? What is it we're trying to say with our pictures? Uh, whose pictures do they belong to? You know, I mean, these kind of questions are going to come up in my discussion with Brian and, and there's sort of open questions for, uh, for the future as well. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if we, I, I recorded this, uh, about 10 days ago. So prior to Christmas, uh, right, you know, I'm on Thursday, the day before New Year's Eve recording now. So about 10 days ago. And uh, it's the, 
I only mention that because there's some there's some gap in time between the time I recorded this for Brian and and now like that I'm thinking about this, but I do want to uh, make this an open question. Um, it, it it doesn't have to have any judgments in it, uh, although some of us will be judgmental about it, and I'm I'll put myself into that camp as well. But um, we're just at you know we're at this edge uh, as we're getting into a new year. What what and and the fact that uh, and I talked to Brian about this the fact that we're you know in more of a you know the social distance quarantine mode and what is that doing to our photography and then how does that how does it like uh, dovetail into this um, idea of processing and then uh, artificial intelligence you know we're we're uh, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this but I I know with the discussion with Brian it's a little more solid but I just wanted to open these questions up and again. Seeing Brian's work uh, on Twitter just just sparked this idea in me, and again, it wasn't uh, um, any kind of you know no bad thoughts about processing at all. But uh, although I might <laughs> we might we might actually say a few judgmental things in the discussion. But anyway, uh, I wanted to get this show out before the end of the year because uh, I had energy this month in December to. Uh, I was a little bit more energetic than usual, and so and Brian was uh, very giving of his time to talk to me uh, five days before Christmas, uh, which was great. And so uh, I wanted to get this show out before the end of the year. So it's gonna I'm gonna uh, this will go out on uh, tomorrow on the thirty first. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because I'm always I'm always waiting for the last minute to do things. You know, this is my my mo. Anyway, enough preamble. Uh, let's get into uh, this great chat I had with my friend Brian. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining me tonight on my third show of December, believe it or not. I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I actually had the energy to to come up with another. I, you know, I do two a month generally, but uh, this one is th- three a month. I'll get this out before the end of the year. So, but That's I'm, awesome, man. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm honored to be here. Honestly, it's been a, a really long time since we've we've had a chat. So I'm excited to just dive into it. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, watching you from afar <laughs> on, on uh, you know, what you're posting on Twitter and stuff. Actually, what I saw initially that got me wanting to talk to you was the video you did for, um, was it for the new Capture One? The yeah, for, Cap- for 21, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you make that on your own or they... they they hire you to do that? Or, yeah, you know, so they ca- they kind of pinged me and, and you know, <laughs> what's funny is they pinged me like uh, it was roughly around two weeks before launch and just asked if, you know, I'd be interested in helping promote the new release. I'd You know, I've been running the beta for months now or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so they, you know, just reached out and they had, it was kind of a, you know, they, they want to try to do their best with these like brand partnerships obviously fujifilm's an awesome brand partner so they hit me up because i kind of toe the line between both worlds yeah, um yeah, yeah. and just asked if i would be interested in helping promote and what that looked like and everything and and I, and you know they were like we would love for it to be in your voice but obviously it's only a couple weeks until launch so any yeah long story short um they reached out to do something. I pitched them kind of that idea for a, uh, I, I feel like the final video was, it's definitely different from the original pitch, but it was uh-huh. kind of a day in the life yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of thing. 
what um before we get into the specifics about it, what got me was you're talking about like we're in 2020 right and we're all sort of trapped at home and i know you you travel a lot so this 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 nonsense this pandemic nonsense must have really nabbed you in in terms of like like you said in the video you're staying close to home kind of thing right yeah it's been and and you know one of the things i i left out of the video for the sake of time um you know trying to make a video that's like a minute to a minute and a half it's Mm -hmm. a lot of story to fit in but uh yeah yeah the creativity definitely ebbed and flowed a lot for me. I came out swinging at the beginning of this thing. I feel like early on in March, I was like mm-hmm. hitting on all cylinders. And then like, then yeah, it started creeping in. Like I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I, you know, and we would, we would do like, I think one, one Sunday we decided like, Hey, let's hop in the car and drive three and a half hours to the sand dunes, you know, up in Northern Michigan and just like hang out just to get out of, you know, and still not be around people, but like Uh get out of our house. And then, so, you know, we're, we were there for like an hour and a half to two hours and it's like six hours of driving (laughs) for all of, for all of that. But it was so worth it, you know, just to get out and like actually shoot. But yeah, it's been weird, man. I was supposed to go back to the Middle East again this uh, this past spring summer. Back to, so e- back to Egypt or someplace else. We were we were going. Where were we going? Jordan and Israel, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Not back to Egypt, Damn. but yeah, yeah. Damn, there there are dunes in in northern Michigan. Yeah, Egypt, so there's really? my the ones that we went to are called Silver Lake Dunes. So they're like uh, it's West Coast, but they're just north of like Muskegon. So it's not super. F- I mean, it's more e- uh, west driving than north uh-huh. driving. But then yeah, it's kind of they start there and they kind of all up along that west coast. There's there's sand dunes. The Silver Lake ones are c- kind of the biggest looking dunes that we've got here, though. It's pretty cool. Honestly, I'm going to have to visit these areas when, when things become normal again at some point, because I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no idea that you had such a, the, uh, a varied landscape where you are, but it's, I mean, directly around me, it's pretty flat, you mm-hmm. know, flat. I'm lucky that I have kind of the, the rural setting of fields and barns, There's a lot of farming around here and stuff. Um, so that's nice for, you know, my rural kind of landscape that I do. But yeah, yeah. you have yeah. to drive three to four hours in any direction to get any sort of fun topographical change. But you're used to that anyway, so right? I mean, yeah. For, for, yeah for, just for, photographing and moving around, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, in the video you're talking about, like, is everything in that shot like you were shooting near you or around you or within this driving distance that you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, everything yeah, so that I showed all the B roll from the video was, you know, probably we didn't go any farther than like 15 minutes from the house. You yeah. know, I, I end up like just North of us here. We live in like a subdivision and then South of us is like kind of getting back into city. And then if you go further, if you go East, you go towards like Detroit. If you go West, you're like Ann Arbor. But like just directly north of us here, we got a lot of just farmland and stuff. So I have all these dirt roads. My car is always like it's perpetually filthy because (laughs) I drive these dirt roads like every day, just kind of, you know, looking for something that I missed for the past seven years or whatever, you know? Yeah. So say talk about that. You're forcing yourself to um, 
stay near home, right? Mm-hmm. And what's that doing for you creatively? I mean, you, you said at the beginning of this, and I and actually I laughed at that for a second because I was at the beginning of the lockdown. I too had all that creative energy um, for a little while, and so the way you talked about the ebb and flow a little bit is, is very funny. But but for um, for you, you know, talk a little bit about that that you're being forced to be like look at places you know, close to you and, and still be creative. Just mm-hmm. say, what was that? What was that like a little bit? I mean, like I said, it's really goes hand in hand with the ebb and flow thing. Cause it's like early on, like I was really, I can make this work, you know, I, it's fine. But then, I mean, that was like tail end of spring, you know, when the, when all the shutdowns really started, um, yeah. And, and changing from like winter to spring, you get, you know, there's some nice stuff, you know, and then we have the occasional snow still lingering in March. Uh, so that's fun for me to shoot. But when it gets into like the, you know, (laughs) gets into summer, it's just so green and thick here. And, you know, if anybody that knows me knows anything, they know how much I hate the color green and it's just like it's overwhelming so that I feel like once summer really took hold, I, there were probably, you know, two, three week periods where I didn't even pick up my camera. I I got heavily into mountain biking again. So I was, you know, kind of a lot of the, uh, I I look at when I'm out shooting, like traveling and shooting and running around a mountainscape or something, it's all Mm -hmm. like adrenaline and, you know, just emotion and all that stuff. So I feel like, mountain biking filled that gap for me a little bit when I, when I really needed it, when I couldn't, you know, go anywhere and I didn't really want to shoot anything. Um, but I think, and back, back to your question, I think, you know, once I kind of started coming out of that and then obviously like summer changes to fall, um, it kind of renews. I think that's one, the one thing I do love about the Midwest is about the time that you're really sick of shooting something the season changes and it's like a brand new you know like right now i'm really excited that it's starting to snow again because i have all these uh kind of i not even ideas i just have all this like hope maybe i I don't know i i I just feel like i'm seeing i have some hope (laughs) yeah i guess i just i feel like i'm seeing things with different eyes than i've Uh had for for a while just uh, you know and i'm i'm you think on, that comes on, from sorry, but you think that's coming from you like forcing yourself to like be nearby? It is. When you're shooting I think in some it's way? it's partly that, and I think it's partly this year, and and the two go hand in hand because this year uh, it's been less. I've been less focused on like par for the course for me, looking for mm-hmm. these epic landscape scenes. And more just, and I said it in the video, kind of looking for the beauty in between, you mm-hmm. know, like sh- I'm, I'm just, I'm shooting differently. And I think a lot of it's due to largely losing interest in Instagram and, and kind of that, uh, mindset that I've had yeah, for the past yeah. several years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the stuff, one of the things I love so much about Twitter is there's no real like portfolio aspect of it. So I'm, I'm just sharing more of my work and more different kinds of work. And so that's inspired me to experiment a lot more than I typically do, you know? And and you're not chasing, I mean, I'm not saying you are, but in general, you're not, when you're, when you're doing that on Twitter, you're not chasing any, uh, 
um, accolades like hearts or thumbs up or no, whatever. No, yeah, get, that, no, that's and that's the fun thing. Even I think, though those metrics are there, you know, right. but you're not, you're not. I don't know. Something about it is different. Yeah, it is. Here, I yeah. think. Well, well, largely, I've been kind of finding this, you know, photography community on Twitter and and you know, leaning heavily into that just because that's. I mean, that was the biggest reason that I liked Instagram was finding all these new people and this new art and interacting in the community. And, and then all of that kind of went away when Facebook bought Instagram and they just don't care about any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that Twitter does, but it, their, their platform allows for, you know, somebody who has like 400 followers to pop into my timeline just because somebody that I follow retweet, you know what I mean? It's just, I feel like it's just a, a much more open place uh, um, for the kind of community that I've been needing this year, yeah. if that's a good way to say yeah, it. I don't know. I guess, you know, sure. Um, I, I haven't been on Twitter as much lately, so I'm, I actually wasn't fully aware of your your migration, uh, as it were. Um, but... Uh, that makes a lot of sense, especially this year, like when we're trying to find some connections outside of, you know, our own home or our own little bubble that we're circling in. So, yep, yeah, that's kind of cool. So going back to, um, let me see, I, 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 I'm pulling up the note I sent you <laughs> about, the, about the video. Um, there was, oh, you know. In the in the video, I didn't necessarily think I was going to be talking about the video so much, but it's sort of leading me into this discussion that I wanted to have with you. But in the video, uh, especially it's for Capture One. Oh, did you? Are you like? Are you? Um, are you moved over to Capture One? I know you were on Adobe, and I'm just curious. Out of like, I still bounce around. I mean, yeah. I use Capture One for probably eighty to ninety percent of what I do. Mm -hmm. Um just because a lot of what you could do within the, like the layers and capture one and, and sharpening with layers, like it just, I don't have to jump into Photoshop with something, right, you know, right. even if I process something with camera raw or whatever, I'm not using camera raw sharpening. I'm going over into Photoshop because I don't like camera raw sharpening. So, so yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, capture one still doesn't let you do like panoramas and still doesn't let you merge, yeah, yeah, yeah. merge exposures and stuff like that. So there are things that I still, um, still I'm using like Photoshop and camera raw for, but from 80 to 90% what I do, I'm, I'm over in capture one now for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah Cause you showed like these little time lapses of you processing mm -hmm. your, your pictures, which I thought was really cool. Um, and you know, seeing, I mean, I'm sure it takes a lot longer than what obviously you, you, you were showing because it was a time lapse, but, um, it, uh, when I watched it, what did I write to you? I said, when I watched, I'm going to just read what I wrote to you because it will help me get in that mindset. But I said, when I watched your video this morning, that's when I got inspired to talk to you. I wanted to chat about processing and not technically, but what does it mean for our photography? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, why do we do it and why is it necessary many times and what does it do for us? It's sort of a big picture kind of thing. Uh, but through the mind of someone like you, I suppose, who rely on it as creative expression. Okay, I got what I'm, I'm thinking about now. <laughs> it's like, just getting to my, my brain. But you, you showed all this this um you know through your um time lapse in a way and it was it was very quick so we didn't see the full processing but got a sense of how you're looking at an image and how you're you're i guess through your eye for a minute right we're just seeing what you're finding um it's kind of cool to, to do that because then i'm seeing like oh this is what you're interested in 
this is this is the subject matter that you're that you're wanting to emphasize or something that you want to de-emphasize. And I thought that was really cool. Um, what is it about the um, what is it about this uh, this um, processing that you do that steps in for like this like you were talking about like you were not a, you wanted to be a painter and you couldn't paint well how is this processing a, um, a, a filler for that for that creative thing that you said you weren't able to do you can't draw or something like that mm-hmm. or what did you say you couldn't paint you wanted to paint I've always yeah said? I've always well I think you know going I mean I, I went to college and took a lot of art history classes <laughs> yeah. and you know yeah. so do I, I, you just see all these I mean you're you're constantly being just amazed by painter after painter after painter. Right, and then right. I'd, you know, try to do it. And I'm just, just gar- I, I Like, I, it wasn't even that I was bad at it. I just didn't enjoy it. Like I just didn't enjoy the process of painting. I wanted really? to enjoy oh, it, but okay. I just, just, I don't even like painting our house. Like I would, <laughs> I would pay thousands of dollars for somebody to paint the interior of my house before I attempt to do it, to do it myself. I just do not enjoy it. Um, but that's but he, what you wanted to create. I mean, like you said, you talked I, it, about that specifically. That's what you wanted yeah. to do creatively. I mean, yeah, I mean, okay. it was so. I was just so inspired, and like the idea of, of, of like just creating your own world. I think is where it starts. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, with a camera, you're obviously you're not creating your own world. There's a there's this. Where do, gosh, where do we even begin here? I feel like I could go off on a million different rabbit trails. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just feel like you know, as a painter, I mean, obviously you could you, you could set up an easel somewhere and paint like something. There are mm-hmm. realist painters that are, mm-hmm. you know, I could set up my camera next to them and we could more or less achieve the same result. Um, but I feel like the whole idea of like when I was the, the the painters that I was into weren't it wasn't like the realism stuff. It was mm-hmm. just the idea that you could literally if you knew how to paint textures and trees and clouds, you could just build your own worlds. And so I think that's always been the appeal to me. So so, yeah, with photography, it's kind of like the I can't build my own worlds but I can find something cool and then I can, I can really paint my, what I see from that or, or what, you know what I mean? My Mm -hmm, vision mm -hmm. of what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think that's the biggest thing for me. I, I, you know, there are times when I'm just just flip my camera over to shoot JPEG only and I'm, you know, perfectly happy with those JPEGs for something. But I think, you know, a lot of the enjoyment for me is sitting down, like knowing, oh man, I can't wait to, to see what I can do with those images that I captured, yeah. you know, to see how far I can take that and push it and, and make something completely unique to me from it. So I think that's kind of where I see myself. Well, you're, you're, you're sculpting your world. I mean, that's what I, I get, I get this feeling that's that paint. Like I, I think, when I see someone processing, uh, or if I'm doing it in Photoshop, or you're doing it in, in Capture One, it, it looks like, it, for some reason, it just reminds me of sculpture. I don't know why. Like you're you're pulling things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're revealing the uh, you know when they talk about your someone who's um, sculpting in marble, you're not you're not uh, you're revealing the figure that's inside of the marble. Right. You know, and yeah. I get that same sense 
I, I got that same. I'm just thinking about the, the top of my mind right now. I got that same sense when I was watching you in your time lapses process that you're pulling out the figure that's there. And um, it was really cool to, 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 to look at that. The other thing is I'm looking at this. Uh, you know, of course, I'm finding your stuff on Twitter again because I'm starting to look at Twitter. And you posted this picture of what looks like a, a garage or something like that or, or a barn with a garage in it. And you've got the picture like this is before the shot and this is the shot. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a yes. red, the, a with, red the side. with the the crazy cloud. The crazy gradi- clouds. Yeah, yeah. Yep. you said you did that with the with the neutral density filter, right? Yeah, it was like four, fourteen exposure. stops of ND. Yeah, and long exposure, and it was really interesting. You got the before and after, which I really actually like to see. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to see that. But uh, I'm actually staring at this picture right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, probably the best long exposure I've ever taken. Like How it long was, was it? it was perfect. Um, I could tell you. I want to say it was two minutes. Uh, but two minutes. Okay, it. okay. So I thought it was. Like, I know for some reason I thought it was longer, but so you're able. To well, do it, it all depends. I mean, it, that's that's what makes shooting with indies so difficult. Sometimes is like, you know, if the clouds are moving slow, then a longer exposure is going to give you. But if the clouds are moving faster, then you go shorter. So it's kind of a right, right. You gotta you know figure out the effect you're going for, and then you know. Um, play with dial your settings in based on that but yeah i couldn't have i mean it, what's funny is i have a shot i i should have shared it in like a, in the thread but i have a shot that i took from so if you actually look the before photo is i was shooting to the left of the barn like facing mm-hmm. the left side of the barn mm-hmm. and i took a, a a shot but the clouds are moving kind of like laterally in mm-hmm. that frame Mm-hmm. And it's just super unappealing. So I was like, oh, if I move over to the opposite corner of the barn and have the clouds kind of coming straight at the camera, it's mm-hmm. going to be way better. It's going to look way – so it's it's just amazing to see the difference between uh, two long exposure shots of the same thing as well. Just by moving. Just by moving the camera. Yeah, based, feet, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. based on where the – which yeah. direction the clouds are blowing. But, yeah. But, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm seeing, you know, I, I – you have a very distinctive style, which I, I personally enjoy. Um, actually, when I look at your pictures, uh, there's a soothingness to it. The, um, I, I get placed in another world, like especially when you're shooting the moon or, or these like landscapes where you have stars in it or something like that, with like the Milky Way. And I really get mm-hmm. the sense of the other world that you're talking about, like the, the creation of your own, your, your, create, your world creating, your world building. Um, and and yet that your pictures are heavily processed, and I, I don't, I'm not judging it. It's just it's not the reality of the picture. Like here on this before and after, I can see what before looks like. Right. I can see what after, and, and just the sense of also you're doing time lapse as well, and that that uh, or your long exposure, excuse me, um, and that changes the reality of the situation in, in some way as well. But yep. this is your, um, this is how you see the world, right? This is. You found your vision. You found how to bring it out of the picture, and and this is how, this is how you're this is how you're creative. Um, and how does that? Let's see if I get a right kind of question. This <laughs> because I'm like losing my mind here. Uh, <laughs> this is what happens when you start recording on a Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, I don't I don't see your work as. Uh, like over processed. Well, um, that's good. 
because no, I, I can definitely I can definitely look back at certain things and be like, ooh, I crossed a line well, there. You know, I I see that in my my own stuff as well. You know, it's like, you know, uh, yeah, I pushed that a little too far, a little too much structure on that, or you know, I I get that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pictures of yours that I like are the ones that you know, uh, if they were overprocessed, I, I probably wouldn't be liking them, right? Sure. You know, and so, yeah. and we we see that in everybody's imagery, but um, the the um the extra language of the processing the extra visual vocabulary that you that you get from it what is it um what's the question i want to come up with <laughs> well if i think i th- i mean i think if i'm reading you right i feel like we're getting into the territory of like uh could could i you know if i'm taking a picture and and there's no po- post processing and i'm sharing that like I, I don't there's there's almost like I don't feel that it's me right almost yeah like yeah. there's an identity thing there where I have you know I, I joke all the time about not liking greens and I mean I, I just I just have That's a specific funny. I just I just I mean I just don't really like the color green and I have a specific like I love reds and and some kind of desaturated blues and yellows and oranges like I just love that color palette so I tend to you know even if I'm shooting in the dead of summer like that that barn shot that you're talking about with all the crazy colors in the sky like if uh-huh. you look at the grass that grass was bright green but I oh, right right I, I, I took so it really like kind of eh, as much of a desaturated kind of yellow as uh-huh. I could get before uh-huh. it started looking unnatural um you know I just have a I just I like to shift things to okay. my to my liking and i think so it all what all it all comes back to is you know even the work like i joked or is just a second ago with over processing like in the moment that was something that i enjoyed and thought was worth sharing and the only reason that i even shared it is because i'm doing it for me you know what mm-hmm. i mean i'm making right. the work for me i'm making it appealing to me um yeah. Okay. That's so looking at it in, in, you know, I can look at something that I made like six months ago and be like, Ooh, you yeah. probably should have gone a little more subtle there, bro. <laughs> it's, you know? it's funny that it, you just said the, 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 the funny thing that just popped in my head is that you don't like green and that's the thing that your, our eyes are most sensitive to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's an interesting color that you, <laughs> I know it's like you pick the most sensitive color to say, ah, I'm not so happy, but I, what, as I'm looking at the shots, I just realized I wasn't even paying attention to the grass in the uh, behind-the-scene shot um, and the difference in the grass. But what you, what I've seen you've done is that, yeah, okay, so you're shifting the color. You've desaturated. It's not the scene that you see in front of you in the behind-the-scenes things, but you still haven't pushed anything to some um, unreality. Like the stuff that I see in your picture, I believe that I could see that at some point if I was standing there, whether it may be the fall or the... The winter sure. when the grass yeah. turns a different color, or something like there's nothing unreal about your pictures. It, the, the, it, so you know the, that's what I'm, it, what I've gotten at about processing. And and when I try to talk to, uh, and you mentioned this thing about the, um, I want you to talk about the Ansel Adams thing you talked about before in a second. Mm-hmm. But like I, I have a intro to digital photography class I teach online, and I got to do it in three hours, which is a real interesting thing <laughs> yeah and i i don't spend as much time on processing because that i have that would have to be a whole nother class but i do talk to them about you know what comes out of the camera 
is is not necessarily your finished image. Mm-hmm. You know, think about what more you can do with it in processing. I think because processing to me is an important part of the continuation of your your visual language, your visual voice. Uh, but of course, what we end up seeing, you know, is well, especially from amateurs or new people, newbies processing that's gone beyond the beyond reality right right? so the kind of stuff i'm seeing you do is not that way you know maybe some pictures are maybe some most pictures aren't or the ones i like you know because there's obviously stuff i like stuff that i you know i would say don't like but just don't appeal to me yeah but just like any of these photographers yep but i think in the in the shots that i'm seeing here it's like you've taken processing you've you've altered it but you haven't altered it out of the you know and sent it to mars yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the key there is, you know, we're, we're talking about stuff that I've made like thir- 13 years into this creative endeavor. You know, I think, you know, a lot of, and I, I, I tell people this all the time, like everything that you see now is the result of me, like super failing at something five, 10 years ago. Um, so I can remember a time when, you know, I, I wanted to be a landscape photographer, but I had no idea how to be a landscape photographer. And then like when I started figuring out what landscape photography was from like the camera point of view, how to shoot, mm-hmm. how to compose, uh, what kinds of things do I like, what appeals to me, then it was like, okay, I got that part, but now the processing, like, you know, and I would find people that I enjoy and try to emulate them and ultimately fail miserably. So you know, a lot of what I do now, and I'm glad that you say I I do a decent job of towing that line of reality because I, I don't really have now, you know, we're having this huge discussion about all of this. I don't really have like a, a specific guideline, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but I feel like a lot of the things that, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking back on what I was doing six months, a year, two years ago. And picking out the positive and negatives. Oh, I need to do more of that. I need to do less of that. And kind of, I just like it to be a continual, uh, kind of like sharp, you're constantly sharpening your tools, just getting right, be- right. better and better to where, you know, now the stuff that I do in post is a little, maybe a little more subtle than it was a year ago, but it still has that signature, mm-hmm. you know, look that I really like to to keep. I don't know. Are you going back, as you mentioned that, but you're ever going back and like redoing a shot because you're able to do that, right? And, yeah. Uh, and, and retool it. Or- mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this year has been huge for that. You know, I haven't gotten to travel at all. I've, I've taken, I took one, one road trip to West Virginia during the fall, um, but that's been it for travel for me for since October of last year. So... Yeah, it's I've leaned heavily on the archives. I've gone back to like 2015 and found wow. shots in a folder that I had completely forgotten about. And <laughs> and yeah, just uh, look, you look at uh, you, I open it up and, you know, camera raw and you look at the the kind of settings that you use and you're like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? <laughs> well, and also, then, you also know, it's, the ca- you know, the processing has changed. I mean, oh, five yeah. years of technology yep. in, in the software is also giving you more options, too. For sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think I mean, that's been huge for me this year is just it's been a, a lot of reflecting on you know, stuff from the past. And, and I, I can't tell you the number of shots that I've made 
better, given new life to just giving them a second look. You know, it's been a lot of fun, actually. That's gonna be very satisfying, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, so, the best, the best is when you find a shot that you're you completely passed over and didn't even edit. You're like, how did you? This is like the best of the set. How did you miss this? You know, it's just people, and this is something like people talk about going through making their selections and then deleting everything else just for the sake of storage space. Right, right, right. Which I understand, but at the same time, like, man. You never know how your eye is going to change and revisiting that folder in five years, you might find something, just a a gem. I'm I'm not a big fan of that. Like the storage is cheap, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, keep, I keep everything. There's probably a lot of stuff I could throw out. I just, you know, sometimes I'm like, like I'm not getting paid enough to throw out my pictures. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's just easier to keep them all. But, but yeah, that, but that also just gives some voice to, uh, as a side note, it's like we're so quick to shoot and process our pictures. It's pretty interesting to like let them, let them, uh, you know, sit around for a couple of years before you even start to look at them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. it's not very practical, but I, but that's an interesting thing to 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 keep in mind that we're so quick to like I want to get back and I want to make my picture now, and like well yeah well what about those pictures that you sat around you know ten years ago and you can right. take a look at them. You were telling me off uh, offline about the Ansel Adams print, and that related to what I'm just asking you about being able to go back and 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 retool an image um, until you until you get it the way you want. And so, tell me what you were just telling me about the the um, Adams print. Yeah, I think. I mean, it was a class you said you were talking to. Yeah. Or? Well, I I have uh, I forget the name of it. It was something about something about the. I think I called the t- I titled this particular class like the evolution of the evolution of the creative process from darkroom to lightroom or something. So it was something you know silly like that. But uh, but yeah, a lot of it I go dig deep about you know just post processing and you know I, I one of my favorite I love I love googling um, what is the term that you can Google I love pulling up people's test prints. Uh-huh. Where they have they've like written all over them in pencil like got to yeah, dodge yeah. this area up yeah. up a stop or down you know burn in this area too and it's like a the whole picture is just written over um, of of notes for their lab assistant to you know then process this picture again and so a lot of that stuff but but you know you mentioned this Ansel Adams thing well one of my favorite things about Ansel was how insane he was about the darkroom and just how his process evolved over the years. You know, he would hear, learn a new technique and then pull out an old negative. And, you know, we were talking about uh, the Moonrise over Hernandez, like one of his probably most iconic images. And one of the things in this class is I show just a photo of Moonrise that he, you know, uh, processed in the darkroom early on, like soon after he took it versus one of the last that he did later on, I think it was, I know I have the years and the thing I'm not, I don't, it doesn't matter. Um, but just later on, one of the last times he ever processes it, 
like and just being able to look at those side by side and how different they were because you know he i think he bleached that negative to get the skies darker so the moon like really popped out um just right, the black just, and that the black scent in those final pictures were just insane. it's crazy he just yeah, went yeah. he just went nuts with it which i love because that's you know this the stuff that really stuck with me about his work was you know obviously i do most of what i do in color but i like to think that the one of my biggest inspirations for just like contrast punchiness and, and just really rich darks whether it's in the sky or whether it's in you know whatever is is inspiration that i've gotten from looking at his work mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and so yeah i just think it it's tough and i i want you to kind of go back to your your that question that you posed to me about the solution to the problem because i think that's a great place for us to dive into this here i think even even back then you know they were post processing their post processing their images i know a lot of the appeal to like film shooters now is uh not the the not processing letting right, the film stock letting, be yeah. the processing right, right? you're right. you're doing everything up front and then you know enjoying the the post processing of their the non-existent post processing right. which is pretty awesome too <laughs> It's funny because you're right. The film becomes the filter. The film becomes the the, the app that changes the the look of the picture, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So to to lead into that question, I I was thinking about our talk, and I went, I came up with this question about has processing given us a solution for a problem that wasn't there? And the reason why I that popped in my mind, and this actually links a little bit to. Um, and I and I thank you again for hooking me up with uh, Dan Bailey. Oh yeah that, yeah, that was a great conversation I had with him, and we resonated on so many things. We both come from some of the same. Uh, it was interesting because we both come from some of the same background, at least while we were talking, like stock agencies and stuff like that. Although he he's he's in a he's in a separate you know league in the kind of photography he does. But there was some stuff that we came up with. But what had drawn me to him initially was watching his videos on YouTube. And, you know, he's doing Fuji stuff and he's shooting a lot of, you know, uh, leaving the um, uh, the JPEG settings, right? Yep. The, the Straight out of the camera, JPEG, mm-hmm. but the camera is obviously processing it. Yep. And that's a very much the same way that we shot with slide film, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're shooting with slide film, you shot and what you got was what you got. And you pick the film stock based on you know you might pick velvia because you wanted saturated colors you might pick uh kodachrome because you wanted the subtle you know more subtle reality colors but you pick your films when you shot slides based on the 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 kind of film it was and you knew the results you were going to get yep and that was it you shot your film and you were done right there was in fact there's very little processing you could do with a slide even in the in the dark room i think there was just not a lot um so, we we went through all these years of film, and we went through all these years of film, a zillion years of film, and everybody had their ways of s- their solutions, and then processing comes in, right? And uh, you know, I, I I jumble in, you know, Photoshop and and everything, and it, did it create? And then, and sorry, this is also related to that thread that you posted on Twitter to, for me to to read. Uh, who was it from? Um, oh, uh, he he, Richard uh, Bern- Bernabe. I, Bernabe. I don't know how right? to say yeah. his last name, yeah. but yeah. And the gist of it was something like, uh, "There's a branch in the shot. Um, 
I can either saw it off or I can Photoshop it out and which makes the photo real. Right, which one's less fake or whatever. Which one's yeah. less fake. And I was thinking, okay, well, that that's a salute. Like, you know, today we have the tool, right, which mm -hmm. we can edit it out, right? Back in the day when we were shooting slides, you would you would move your tripod up or you would get your slide back and you would look at it and you would say, shit, there's a branch in it. I got to make a print and crop that out or something like that. Like you're, right. you're, you're, you were limited, mm -hmm. but we lived with it, right? And yeah. now we've got this this giant toolbox. And I want to throw in the thing I wanted, which is probably, you know, the, the elephant in the room is this new Luminar AI that came out uh, with the sky replacement stuff. And, and also the new version of Photoshop, right? Yeah, Photoshop has sky replacement and then all those like neural AI the, filters. Yeah, the neural filters, which was is crazy to watch, you know, mm -hmm. and watch those things. And I started to think, is this, are, are we, did they create, in fact, oh, sorry, now I'm getting all ahead of myself, but, but I hear that Adobe is like trying to dial themselves back from all this um, image manipulation stuff that's going on because they realize people are using their tools to, to create non-real photographs. And I, and I say non-real with my fingers in quotes, you know, because right. I, don't, I don't know what the definition of that is yet. So. You're someone who relies on processing. I'm someone who relies on processing. I mean, I, I, I don't always do straight out of the camera. I'm, I'm doing more stuff than my work. But has it, has it created this, this solution that we never really had to deal with before? Which is, you know, so what do you think about that? Am I just like talking out of my butt? Here? <laughs> no, <laughs> Which no, I could I'm... be anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think no you're, me. I think you're right in a regard like it's, you know, I I think a lot of people now, um, you know, people that are, are just starting photography or coming into photography might not totally understand, you know, a raw file is called a raw file because it's, you know, it's raw data. It's untouched. Like, you know, there's no sharpening. There's, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's no, if you're just, even when you're shooting JPEGs, you're making the concession that the camera's making some of those decisions. The cameras, you know what I mean? It's there's still post process post processing right, being right, done. Right. It's just it's more in that same vein of what you're talking about with film. Like you make the decision that I want to shoot in this film simulation uh, beforehand, you know, for this particular look. Um, but I think I think I. I I see both sides of this because one, I don't think you need post-processing to be a good photographer. You know what I mean? Post-processing comes in for me because I really love the fine art, like the making my own art. You know, it all comes back. It's, it's, I look at the stuff that I do kind of outside the realm of just photography. Uh -huh. Like I'm, I'm trying to, be creative and make art that is true to right. my soul, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's probably a cheesy way of putting it. But no, like, no, I don't think so. <clears throat> but I think where you're right in that the solution to the problem is, you know, I remember being the up and coming photographer and seeing just amazing, amazing landscape photography and being like, oh, I want to do that kind of landscape photography. I need to learn how to post process. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Uh -huh. I think new people coming into this, uh, 
see just everything that is at their disposal and immediately i i mean i get the question all the time like well what i see you're using capture one like why would i use capture one over lightroom or why you know there's there's just so many tools available when that might not be you know what i mean the tool the post-processing yeah. tool isn't going to make you a better photographer um so i think ultimately for me that's what it all comes back to is you know i i learned far before I learned the all the post-processing techniques that kind of have led me down this path that I've been going, I learned how to, like I said earlier, I, I learned how to take a good landscape photo before I ever knew how to properly process it. Right. And I so I think that's kind of missing a little bit now is people think I can take this mediocre shit photo and throw it into Luminar Photoshop and drop a uh, you know, killer sky or whatever, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just taking, uh, it's kind of taking a little bit away from what photography is. Yeah. I, I have to imagine, um, maybe for newer photographers who are probably not, a, not, they're not experienced enough to know this, but like if I did that with one of my pictures, if I replaced a sky with somebody else's sky. And now, unless I had a reason to, like, for instance, I, I needed, like, a, a client hired me and said, look, we want we want this bottom part of your picture, but the sky's not working, and can you get a stock picture and do it? And I'll be like, sure, you know, you're paying yeah, me. Right. And, and it's a different context. But for myself, if I'm sitting there and saying, here's my shot, this is what I did while I was out in this place, and um, this this... You know, say for instance, the sky is now working. Let me buy someone else's picture because that's what you're doing. Let me buy someone else's picture and drop their version in. Like, how am I going to feel yeah. about myself after I do that? Um, and I don't know the answer to that because I, I, I haven't done it. Um, it doesn't appeal to me, though. Like, I think I think it's definitely it's getting into kind of a weird territory. I know. It is. Uh, Elia Licardi, he, he has a sky pack for Luminar and I see anytime he posts about it, uh, people in the comments always go nuts. It's always fun to read through the comments <laughs> on those, but, uh, cause it's a lot of questions like, well, wait, if I'm using your photo in my photo, where's the copyright? And he has to explain, listen, the copy, like I forfeited the copyright when I decided to sell these as like an, an essentially a stock right. ask, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like. So yeah, it's definitely weird territory. I can't imagine personally. I mean, I I've along the way to finding landscape photography when I was still like shooting a lot of portraits and stuff. I would do. Um, I think Joey. Do you know the photographer Joey L? No, Are you familiar. No, no. Um, he was. He's he's a great like documentary um, travel photographer, and he Joey does a lot. L? Joey L. L. Yeah, Joey Lawrence is his full name. But if you look up Joey L. Uh, like, like just L, like the letter L. That's kind of what okay, he goes yeah. by on social media and stuff. I, I, he was one of my early follows on like on on Twitter and stuff. And and the work he was doing then is vastly different than it is now. But he was into shooting like environmental kind of portraiture with strobes and stuff. So he'll he'll go to like India or Afghanistan or whatever and and take you know a, a strobe set up into these just unbelievable you know, phase one back 150 megapixel portraits of 
just these people that you we don't see on a day-to-day life you know Mm -hmm. uh it's just beautiful work and so the stuff he's doing has always appealed to me but like one of the things that he taught early on was look you know if i'm this before he got into like the documentary type stuff when he's just shooting portraits for clients he's like you know i'm constantly out with my camera shooting what i call plates and you know anytime i see a cool sky i'll take a frame of it and it gets thrown into this library where so so even like when i was doing more like senior portraits and stuff like that and the weather isn't working out i was uh dropping in you know skies my own skies mm-hmm. but skies mm-hmm. just to supplement the photo because you can't you know you, you obviously can't always uh have the the perfect conditions that you want when you schedule a shoot um but yeah i agree with you i think i i i don't i couldn't imagine using someone else's sky in my photo it just seems weird to me it does it, i don't know it, and and as you're saying that, I do know a lot of photographers who are like doing what you do, like will end up doing a composites, have their own skies that they've, you know, they've created the entire picture. Right. And and that's a you know and that's a I guess it's a form of processing, a form of creation, and um, that's to me that's a lot different than like something like this what Photoshop's doing and what what Luminar AI is doing. And what what spooks me about that is that you know again it's this like Jurassic Park kind of thing you know the you know we can do it but should we do it you right. know yeah um, and but there's no education or there's there's mm-hmm. I guess there's no um, no one I don't want to say that people should or shouldn't do it but I think what these companies are doing and I, I don't really mean to like I don't want to really um, uh, I'm trying not to be too critical of them because they're there to make money and their software is really good. There's a lot of aspects to all this software that's making us, helping us be creative. But there's nothing in there to, to tell, like, you know, um, an upcoming photographer, like, is this what you really want to do? Do you want to use other people's pictures to create your own? And, you know, right. your own? And, yeah. And, yeah, it's not up to the companies to, to, to educate them, but it, it's certainly maybe up to the rest of us to 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 do that i don't know no i see where you're coming from i i think i think for me i always try to look at I me mean, i'm youngish guy and i always try to look at new technologies uh in a in a positive light first mm-hmm. and foremost before i you know uh before i nitpick it to death like i i want i'm trying to think i i use the term like create without limits in that video and i think you know, the more tools that we have at our disposal, obviously, the 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 yeah. theoretically, the better we could be at creating different things. But at the same time, you know, going back to this, I feel like, yeah, my like my big frustration with it. And, and one of the things that really freaks me out is I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Adobe demoed. I forget what they called it. They had like a code name, but they demoed this this new artificial intelligence and engine deal and basically what it would do is you you could feed kind of like a source photo Uh and then drop whatever you know say you take a photo of a building broad daylight just 12 o'clock you know harsh sun Uh and then you have another photo of not even a similar building just another photo of a building but it's at night with like ambient light from the uh, the street, you know, falling, you got lights on inside the windows uh-huh. and you use that as your source and it would take the color palette and the lighting and try to match it 
to what you gave it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like that, that to me is getting, and they have it kind of one of the neural filters is like, they only have, you can't emulate another photo right now, I don't think, but one of the neural filters, you can essentially open something in Photoshop, a photo, whatever, artwork, anything. And you can, they have like pre-selected like Picasso painting, you know, different <laughs> kind of paintings that they can emulate uh -huh. the style and uh -huh. color palette of. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, going down that road, I'm all for like giving people more tools to, to bolster their creativity. Oh, there's the first cat appearance knocking something. <laughs> over. The heck, dude. Um, but, but I think while that's great, I do, I'm with you on the, but you, I, I, I don't want to let someone think that that's just how they should create yeah. all yeah. the time. You know what I mean? Like, like the landscape photography to me is fun because of the chase, because of the, you know, I think, and, yeah. and I was going to end kind of end with this, but I think it fits here. I think going back to what we initially talked about where, you know, I love the idea of painting to create worlds. I almost like what I do with photography more. I think it's a little more difficult because I don't get to create every little aspect, right? You have to, either wait patiently for mother nature to give you the right perfect look or you have mm -hmm. to just be position yourself for you know i'm, I'm yeah. staring at a, a photo on my desktop wallpaper that i took in west virginia and i remember it's a sunrise photo but we showed up like you know four hours before the sunrise to shoot some astro at this particular uh mountain and like freezing, just freezing for hours <laughs> waiting for the sun to rise. And like, so I remember all of that. And, and you know, like there's just something about that that uh -huh. elevates the entire thing to me. It's not just dropping it in Photoshop, right. putting somebody it's, else's sky on it and calling right. it's it not, a day. And it's just not the picture. It's the, you, the, you have the whole experience involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I, I did a quick Google search for, I can't remember what I was looking for, but what the term was, but I was like, is, did, you know, in a sense about Photoshop creating a uh, a solution. And I found these like little phrases that people, um, that I just grabbed. And so uh, when someone was talking about Photoshop, they said, enhance images, increases quality, which I thought was interesting, improve photography, and look more professional. And then someone said, and then someone said, Photoshop serves as a sort of safety net and really helps me in my job. Uh, and then I added a force multiplier. So, like mm. for instance, you know, someone is 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 shooting something and they need to add more items to the shot, but they don't have them. And so Photoshop can help them do that. Sure. You know, that's why it's like a force multiplier, and it mm. helps you do your job. And then, as you were just talking now, and I realized there there's there's a two di there's a difference here that that let's say you are working on a job, right, and you got to get this shot. And the client's hiring, and you got to get this. And something gets screwed up, or you don't get the sky. This is where these things can be a solution, mm -hmm. right? Like you, you, you can fulfill your your mandate towards whoever is asking you to take the picture, and you can do that. And that's one thing, right? And like I said before, like if someone, if I had to do that for somebody, and add another sky, I wouldn't care. You know, like this is what gets the job done. Sure. And so maybe in that sense, there's there's a little bit of a difference. I mean, it's we're talking commercial and you know and uh, like art or uh, pictures for yourself or something like that. So maybe there is that like sort of that practical difference. Um, but when I start hearing things like Photoshop enhances quality, yeah. like increases the quality of your photography, that's where I start to get really 
the the hairs on my back and my neck get you know that spidey sense tingles like something's wrong here like that's you know and when i tell students like look you don't need photoshop like you know i always kind of push lightroom as a general thing for students just because it's the easiest thing to like you know um you know organize your pictures do some decent processing you know synchronize if you use stuff like it, it it's not because i really love lightroom i just think it's a you know it's a good starting point yeah um but in all this i try not to say that it increases the quality of your picture you know yeah. that's the there's the where we get tripped up on or people mm-hmm. get tripped on like oh yeah i can download the sky sure and my picture is the in quality is going to be better yep and that's the that's the um the the bad story that I think people are getting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I am 100% with you there. I can't, I mean, one of the things, the only reasons that I even stick around on social media anymore is just, you know, the, the engagement with the community. And I feel like that's one of the things, anytime I comment on somebody's photo that is a fan of my work or, you know, I, there's always, not always, I feel like there's, I've heard like, oh yeah, it'd be, it'd be great, but it's like, it's nothing like the post that you, you know, those kind of comments where, oh, it's, yeah, it's okay for me, but I mean, it's nothing like what you do. And I mean, obviously like where everybody's always comparing what they do with what everybody else does, but, Uh but I feel like you just, you don't have to process like me in order to take a good photo or even what I consider a good photo you know what i mean like uh-huh. i and i i feel like there's definitely and and the more we get more in this go down into this territory of tools available and you know i i maybe i don't know this particular program but if i did it'd probably make my work better like that mindset is just garbage right. but i feel like that's kind of where we're headed just based on how prevalent all of this software has become so i think and I mean, it's tough too when you're fighting up against like Apple with their phones that are <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. all these artificial yeah. intelligent things to make you not have to do anything afterwards because they're doing everything up front for you. You know what I mean? So it's it's tough. It's a tough way because because I used to think, you know, when people, you know, five years ago, people would be like, hey, what, you know, what kind of cam? I really want to get into photography. What kind of camera should I get? And I'd be like, just shut up and use your phone. Like, <laughs> get good at taking photos with your phone. Yeah. And then if you like it, then you can invest in a camera. But like now I feel like it's it's so easy to take. How do I even phrase that? Well, to be, uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I'm uh, one of the things I'm doing is I'm also, and, and sorry to interrupt, but to, <laughs> Um, I, I'm teaching also in the same vein a two-hour mobile photography class, and I have the same things going on in my mind about this, you know. But I think to be fair, is like you know, like Apple or anybody in the smartphone business has to overcome a lot of limitations that the device has. Sure, you know, smaller, no, you know, I the uh, I remember poo-pooing the um, original uh, iPhone uh, portrait mode. Because it actually did look pretty crappy. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. But each iteration that comes on, I like now I find myself, especially using, I use this app called Focos for yeah. doing yep. um, specific shots, specific kinds of shots. Um, not for everything, but like specific types of shots that I'm doing or specific, specific projects is really good at it. And I know it's, I want to say it's fakery. It's it's approaching, it's bordering on fakery. It's approaching uh, the idea of depth of field in a different way, but it's dealing with the limitations of this 
right. you know, this handheld device. So I, I hear what you're saying on both sides. It's 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 it is true that Apple is doing this kind of thing to make uh, to make photography for the masses very easy. And um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, smoke and mirror stuff going on as well. But I think that's what you know. That's what they're good at. Number one. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're good at that. But that's the device that they're working with. I I imagine if if Apple ever got into making you know um, mirrorless cameras, there'd be that'd be a world of uh, interesting um, uh, problems. I think. Uh, yeah, that would with. be that would be very weird. Yeah. Oh, well, I I I think the stuff that they're doing is going to end up in in mirrorless cameras at some point. I mean, I don't see why not. Yeah. I had so. this I had this conversation with a friend of mine David who's uh he's like a tech journalist but also a photographer more of a film photographer than anything recently uh-huh. but we had on my podcast we had a, a an episode where we talked about like it was right after the last not not this I maybe the, is there a new Google Pixel it's, it was after whatever the la- it was the 2019 Google Pixel I don't know uh-huh. what number it was but uh-huh. anyway it was right uh-huh. after his review for that had dropped and it went big on like night mode and being able to shoot stars and that stuff so we talked a lot about like computational photography and what that means and what to, you know what it holds for the future and um yeah it's definitely i mean it's a it's it's a weird weird thing i can't imagine i know uh, uh Zeiss finally has that that weird camera that they announced like two years ago at photokina the it's like a full frame mirrorless um but it it runs on android so it actually has lightroom mobile built into the back of the camera oh yeah it's like six thousand dollars it's ridiculously (laughs) expensive but like that's kind of interesting you know yeah and i i think that's i mean you know we're certainly going to see that merging i'm sure yeah um because everybody's going to look for new ways to sell us stuff, right? And so, sure. sure, you know, oh yeah, let's let's put light or whatever, you know, Capture One inside of this this camera, or at least some of the functions of it. And actually, if Capture One ever comes up with a mobile version, I guess, Ugh, I know you're <laughs> I telling me, it. man. Um, you know, but, waiting uh, for that day. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they're they, they're that they've rolled that around in their minds and stuff like that. Whether we'll see that soon, I don't know, but. Uh, and damn, there was something I wanted to say, and I totally spaced out. <laughs> I love when that happens. Yeah. And I don't. Uh, it must not have been that important. But um, yeah. Well, I don't know if we've. I don't know if we've beaten this up enough. But uh, oh no, I lost it. Damn it. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well. all good, man. I understand. I, um, my my brain is mush at this point. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we've actually. We, we hit the hour part, so I'll, I think I'll give everybody a break. And uh, what's your um, what's your what's your uh, plans? But like coming up, uh, 2020, 2021, What's what's your idea for possibilities, dude? I don't know. I came into yeah. this year like I I thought this year was going to be the year that I got everything, all my ducks in a row, and yeah. you know. And then uh, we ended up in a freaking global pandemic. So I I have no idea. I have so you're not making any plans. Not making a ton of plans. I do have to try. I have to get on a plane. Uh, a couple like second weeks. Second week of January, I'm going to Arizona mm-hmm. uh, for a Fuji thing, and that's gonna be. I'm like simultaneously terrified, but also like excited to be in the desert and sleeping in a rental car and you know just. <laughs> 
doing normal Brian things. You, you, you worried about the flight itself? Like the, the Yeah, I just I, I mean, I've done we've done so well at like trying to be distanced and stay home and, and so now it's just like, okay, I'm just gonna like p- piss all that away for I don't but, know. Most most things I hear about the planes there have been generally pretty good just because yeah, of the air circulation. For so. sure. I think I get I, it, I get it though. You're like yeah, I get the same thing like when I'm riding on the subway and I've had to ride on the subway a few times for some jobs. And you know, just like being on a plane, you know, um or or, or going on a plane thinking of that and and uh and it's been it's been okay. Yeah. You know? So I, I think yeah, I've talked to I've talked to many people who have traveled since and they've said that it's actually much nicer because obviously like you the seats are spread out, you don't you aren't jammed in sardine canned like you normally are on a plane in the airport. There's like a fraction of the number of people there. So I'm and they're uh, cleaning it. They're cleaning them a lot more. Yes, yes. That's what so I'm, like, I, I hear about the subway. They they clean the subway. Wow. <laughs> Wait, have they ever like done that prior to twenty twenty? <laughs> had they ever cleaned the subway? Uh, barely. <laughs> barely. I mean, every time I've been in New York City and been on the subway, it just smells like piss. Yeah, no, they, they you know, they closed down. I don't know if there's, I think they're still closing down, closed down from one for four hours and cleaning the trains. So. Wow. That's impressive. It is. It is. But so, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying though. But uh, so that, that's the only plan you got. That's and, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just cool because you're, you're going to be more in the moment. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure as soon as I'm there and I'm in it, I'm I'm just going to be thinking about the task at hand and I'm by myself. It just I, I still haven't really put together my I have like a loose itinerary of what I want to do. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm excited. I'm excited about it. And I'm sure the, the flight and stuff will be fine. So but that's it. That's all I got. Still, you know, working from home for the foreseeable future. I have no idea what next year is going to hold as far as that goes and this vaccine and everything. So. We'll just have yeah. to just fly by the seat of my pants and see. Yeah, I think I think we see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> that's what I think. Um, I, I I'm in the same boat. I'm not. I'm not. I, this this whole past nine months has just sort of really, and other things that have been going on in my personal life mm-hmm. um, have really got me my um, my time frame a lot more compressed. You know, yeah. and so whether that's making me more present to the moment. Not all the time, but sometimes, and I'm not making huge plans for the future. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just it's the reality. Yeah. Like I can't. I really can't think farther than two, three, four weeks ahead. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you know what? That's that's okay with me. And uh, I think the one thing I'm not going to do, I'm going to try not to do next year, is buy any more lenses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've been hearing, but I've been. The, the one thing that I've been doing in this pandemic is just binge buying lenses. That's hilarious. Yeah, and um, uh, I think I bought I think I bought eight so wow. far. Wow. Yeah, and one of them is the Fuji one hundred to four hundred. That <sighs> you son of a bitch! You had to mention that. That's that, been the one on my list that I haven't purchased for two years now, but it, I've wanted to. I don't know if it was a mistake or not. So I, the the jury's still out on it. Um, I just I love telephoto and sure. I long time ago I had a Nikon five hundred on my Nikon bot. It was a five hundred f four. The thing mm-hmm. was the size of a you know a bazooka. Oh um, yeah. And uh, but I was very limited to what I was shooting with it. You know, it's it's a, a limitation. I could see 
if I didn't live in New York City and I was doing more wildlife and stuff like that. But uh, so anyway, I got that, you know, and that was that was not a good buy. <laughs> it was like I was <laughs> spending a lot of money. But I've been buying like the third party lenses and I bought the the Fuji 16, the the F2 and the Fuji 35 F2. Um, and then a bunch of seven artisan lenses and a bunch of, uh, the hell's the other brand? I'm already spacing out on them. Um, Is it the Viltrox or whatever? Yeah, Viltrox, the Viltrox. Yeah. And, uh, I bought a, I just bought a, uh, what is it? Uh, um, seven artisans, 60 millimeter macro lens. Oh, interesting. Which, which is a very weird looking lens, by the way. Uh, and I bought it from, uh, Ward, Ward Rawson. He's oh, got nice. A, he's got a lens company that he's, uh, started. Um, Ooh, that's awesome. I, yeah, I'm not going to mention the name yet because I don't, <laughs> I don't, I didn't get permission <laughs> to, to to push his company yet. But uh, I, I want him, I want to sponsor, I want him to sponsor the show so that I can mention his name. Yeah, that's. But awesome. anyway, yeah, yeah, that's. I, I'm going to try not to buy any more lenses. That's, I mean, it sounds like you've hit capacity. So, uh, yes, and again, you know, for me, it's part of like the the. Um, finding each lens has a different voice in it and sure. what is it saying to me mm-hmm. and some of them speak uh, uh most of them speaking some of them haven't spoke to me yet so you know like i i buy the lens first and then see how we how we work together sure um, that's the only way you can do it man i mean yeah, i i did that i rent the lenses but I that's true that is true <laughs> um no i've had i mean i've i have five lenses i've had the the fifth one came to me last year but i the f- four lenses before that i'd had for about three years so i've had the same kit for yeah. roughly like four or five years now yeah. um with one added lens the 16 to 80 um but mm. yeah i just i don't know i've ha- i mean i've played with them all and just like you said you either mesh with it or you don't and you know i found that i work better limiting myself a little more like yes, i would love yes. to have the 90 i would love to have the 100 to 400 i would love to have probably the 3514 again even though i sold it because i just never used it um but i i just i i find for me cuz well it's also partly because i like carrying all my stupid shit around with me everywhere That's i go That's the problem yeah, yeah and having more like i literally can't fit any more than what i have right now so if yeah. if I got that 100 to 400, then I'm going to need a new bag and I'm going to need to figure out, you know what I mean? So it just, I've talked myself out of it until this well, point. To, you know, just to let you know what I do is that I, I only, I tend to only go out with one lens. Like That's smart. I, I just think like, Hey, I'm going to like, if I'm going to Greenwood, I want to try to shoot the birds there. I'll just strap on the 100 to 400 and spend three hours with that lens. And that's it. Or, cause I can't think in multiple lenses anymore. So um, you know, or if I'm going to go out now, I just bought the, what is it? The new, the um, shit, the, it was a seven artisans, uh, 35 point F point Oh nine five. Oh yeah. Okay. So, and I'll just, actually that's been stuck on the camera for a long time now. So I'm actually falling in love with that lens mm-hmm. and, and I won't go out with anything other than that lens. So, yeah. you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I can't carry a pack anymore. I can't carry multiple lenses or if i do if it's if i if i do it's a lens that i can stick in my my front jeans pocket sure. is it thin enough like a yeah. you know one of the seven artisans lens i can stick in my pocket and that's it i can i can carry those two but that's it difference is i'm usually rolling around in a car where i'm not like it's not strapped to my back you know what yeah. i mean i just yeah, throw so bag in the yeah. i'm just driving around versus yeah. you i'm sure walking everywhere taking public transit 
Like yeah. that's a big difference. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to carry a big kit either. I think that'd be, that'd be crazy. I think, well, it's weird. I've been shooting a lot with the X100V. That's been my, if I'm, yeah, I saw, I saw you in the video doing that. And yeah. I was wondering, like, what was that about? But uh, uh, I've, I have fallen so hard for that camera and just, <laughs> you know, it, it's weird. I have it. I almost, if I'm shooting with an interchangeable lens camera, I can't, I, it's hard for me to just take one lens right, or just right, take, yeah. but like if I'm, I can just happily grab the X100 and just go and not take anything else and just being forced. It's, I don't know. It's weird. That's just yeah. my mindset that I have right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it, enjoying it a lot. And, and uh, you're shooting the medium format too as well, right? Yeah. <sighs> No, I had to. So I had to sell my oh. GFX 50s. We had we had a the beginning of this year was insane for us. Like everything broke. Our entire uh, HVAC system in our house just died, and we had to put you know an entirely new heating and cooling system in our house. So at that point, I was like, I I just have to sell this camera and, oh. and recoup some of those okay. costs. So definitely want to get back to shooting medium format because I loved it so much. But at the same time, I just, I always felt like, you know, the majority of what I do is with these X series cameras and it just, it makes more sense for me to shoot uh -huh, with those. Uh -huh. So I, I'm definitely want to get back there eventually, but who knows? Okay. Yeah. Well, you got me thinking about. It. I was looking at this picture. This, this, uh, the one I was just talking about before. You were shooting with the medium format. Yes, right? that was that was before I sold. That was the fifty S for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was again. It was like, oh, you know. So if I say I'm not buying any lenses, okay, but maybe now you're gonna buy medium format camera. <laughs> I have no money, man. I have no money. I, I feel you there. If, if I'm doing this, it's like if you if you see me post that that I bought that camera, then you have the right to call me and say, you know, you better it, pay off that credit card. It's intervention time. It's time to get off. <laughs> then you can say, "What's wrong? Why did you spend that money that you don't have?" Hunt? So I can't. I can't even think. Although. No. See? <laughs> yeah, you're trying to justify it. Well, you know, can we spend a day without having a rationalization? <laughs> you know, one day. Anyway. All right. I, I've taken up enough of your time. I mean, it, I, I could talk to you for, for another hour, but. Yeah, I feel like we barely we barely scratched the surface of yeah. this topic. Yeah. Well, I um any any final th like we're okay final things that we can hear about uh, in twenty twenty one about where you're going to be what what you're doing like push yourself a little plug yourself where are you uh, yeah I mean I I'd, I'd say you? if you're I'm if you're gonna follow me anywhere follow me on Twitter just because that's where I'm spending the majority of my time um, mm -hmm. I'm still kind of posting Instagram once a week ish just to keep a foot in the door over there but i really don't care at all anymore uh yeah it's it's really just if you want to find my stuff find it on twitter you can find me at brianmanier.com but um mostly mostly on twitter nowadays great all right yeah that's about it all right well, i'm pretty boring <laughs> are you doing any any teaching this year yes actually i'm doing uh -huh. i don't i don't have the date yet or the the exact uh topic yet but i am going to be doing a webinar uh for fujifilm for uh, midwest photo exchange january 25th i believe um all right yeah cool. so that should be that should be fun i think it's online so everybody will be able to tune in and stuff so if you just follow me on twitter and i'm sure i'll once i have all the details i'll post about it all right fantastic i'll, I'll retweet it when i see it 
Awesome, man. Well, thank yeah. you. It's been awesome talking to you. It's been yeah, great, man. I'm sorry it's taken so long that I, for me to ask you. I, I just I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, but just getting my act together uh, this year has been been tricky. But but I really appreciate you spending uh, spending your time with me this close to the end of the year. Um, and this this late tonight, you know, dude, it's been great. Honestly, I uh, it's been such a tough like not being able to be with people and around people, and you know, obviously like had to supplement with social media and stuff. But like just getting to chat with somebody for an hour, yeah, photography awesome. too, yes. yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, so uh, have a good holiday and uh, and a good new year. Thanks, man. You too. I hope twenty twenty one is better for all of us. Fingers crossed, man. All right. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Thanks. I want to thank Brian again for spending some time with me so close to the holidays. Uh, he was so generous of his time. Uh, great guy. Go check out his work on his website and on um, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, drop him a line. Drop me a line. See how you like that discussion. And again, like I said, it's an open discussion. Uh, I plan to have him back or even continue this discussion with other people. It's an ongoing thing and I'm really just doing this to explore. So anyhow, thanks for, uh, thanks to Brian again. Oh, and that opening quote from the beginning of the show was written in 1852 by a photographer's name, Jean-Baptiste Gustave Legray. And I, I picked that quote specifically because um, he would uh, do um, uh, a version, an early version of HDR, where he would uh, photograph the seascape, and because the sky would always go, uh, he could never get the sea and the sky together in a single uh, exposure, so he always created a second exposure of the sky and sandwiched those two glass plates together uh, to make a uh, basically a combined HDR picture. So I thought he was very appropriate for this uh, discussion with Brian. So uh, I wanted to wish everybody a happy new year. Um, let's, you know, keep our fingers crossed that uh, 2021 sets us, off, sets us off in a good path and and uh, things begin to get resolved uh, on the health front uh, for everybody. Uh, I say that including myself as well for uh, what you guys have known, at least what I've been describing what's been going on in my life. So uh, fingers crossed and hopes and and. Uh, um, happy thoughts for that but anyway uh happy uh new year to everybody and uh you know with my energy levels going up i, I suspect i'll be doing uh, i'm probably gonna uh, try to work on uh, two shows for january so uh hang in there and uh keep your fingers crossed for that so i will uh see you then